Well, girl, I really love listening to your broadcast. Um, you have such a smoothing voice. And I think just listening to your broadcasts works um, better for my high blood pressure than my meds do. <laughs> Hi, I'm Sherry Todd, a former DJ, now podcaster. Every week, I hope to take you on an adventure that informs, inspires, and starts conversations. I want to get honest. And I want to get to the heart of life and love. There's going to be good days, bad days, good shows, bad shows. And just like life, we have to figure it out. And I want to figure it out loud. Welcome to Sherapy. Hey, thank you for tuning in for another episode of Sherapy with Sherry Todd. And I want to thank Carol, who left a voice message for me about how much she enjoyed the show. I appreciate it. And if you guys want to leave a voice message... All you have to do is go to my link. You'll find it in the episode description. You'll find it in my Facebook and Instagram pages. Click on the link. It'll say voice message and just leave me a voice message. You can leave one for up to, I think, 90 seconds or something like that. So that's more than enough time to tell me how much you love the show or how much you hate it, whichever. So how are things going Things are going great. I think this episode I'm going to talk about sexual abuse. Do you ever get over it? Uh, last few weeks, um, it's been kind of hard for me. I've, um, I've been suffering from depression and um, anxiety, mostly depression. And I've been feeling that pretty much my whole life. And the truth of the matter is I've come to the realization and I think... It's, it's the truth that most victims of child sexual abuse, you carry with some kind of anxiety, depression, uh, whatever, feeling with you uh, for a long time. Some people, like me, probably for the rest of my life. This is something I've been fighting and dealing with, not just the depression and the anxiety, but everything else that's happened because of the sexual abuse, I've been fighting it for my whole, since, since it happened, you know, you have to understand when you're a little kid, you know, when you're abused like that, sexually abused, your life is over. At that moment, it's done. The life that you've known 25, 24 hours earlier is gone. It is completely gone. And you're from that moment on, your whole life changes and you're pretty much in survivor mode. And you're doing whatever you can to survive. You're doing whatever you can to make it go away. And you carry everything with you from that day on. That's why it's very important to get therapy as soon as possible. I did not. It was, um, I would say I probably didn't get therapy probably until the eighth grade. I think I started to get therapy when I refused to go to school. Um, it was, first off, when, back in the day, when you went to junior high, um, you, when PE, you changed clothes, you took your clothes off, and then after PE, you showered and then put your clothes back on. And that panicked me. It literally panicked me. So my mom got it where, um, actually I was probably in therapy by, by the seventh grade because, they allowed me 
not to take showers. I was allowed to take showers in the special stalls where the girls who were on their period would go. So I was always taking showers there, and people would always make fun of me, like, are you on your period 24-7? Why? What, what's going on? What, what, you know, I couldn't tell them, you know, and it, it just added more to my anxiety and my fear of people and human beings, basically. I think at that point, the only thing I trusted was um, animals. But do you ever get over it? And here I am, you know, last couple of weeks dealing with this depression. And, you know, and it's not the first time I've dealt with it before. And it's, it's not the kind where I need medication. Um, I've never had a thought of hurting myself or, or anybody else. But I get, I'm more um, a negative type person. So when I get in these depressed moods, I'm very negative. You know, everything is just, you know, every, nothing's positive. And the last few weeks I've just been, I have no motivation to do anything. You know, I'm just watching TV, binge watching, you know, Netflix or or whatever and or playing games on my phone. I, I just, you know, the only thing I did was had to do with this podcast. And that's the only thing that kind of kept me going into, you know, never getting out of bed. So I always wonder, do you, people get over it? And from research and from talking, most people do. Most people... Not so much get over it, but they learn to have healthy and happy relationships. They have a, a, a good life. Um, yeah, I'm not one of those people. But, you know, you, as a victim of sexual abuse, you experience a break in trust in many ways. Victims of sexual abuse often feel responsible for the abuse and guilt about the abuse, even though it wasn't their fault. Uh, they feel a damaged sense of self and self-esteem and um, anxiety and fear. So I do have anxiety and fear. But over the years, one thing that I have learned when it comes to fear is that 99% of what you have in your head is not reality. The fear that we conjure up in our head is so outrageously out there and it it can it can paralyze us, but I've learned that it's not even not even the reality is not even close to what you have in your head. I mean, I used to be scared to death of the first day of school. I would build it up in my head. I mean, I build it up where kids were going to make fun of me, they were going to bully me, they were going to beat me up. I mean, uh, they would make fun of my clothes. I mean, I had built up this catastrophe that was going to happen. And you know what? It never did. I would lose so much sleep and I would have so much anxiety and I would get home from school and it would be like, nothing happened. It was like a no big deal. It's like nobody even noticed me. It was like, what the hell? And it's the same thing like going for job interviews and things like that. We build it up so much in our head. But the reality is what we're thinking isn't isn't what's going to actually happen. 99% of the time it doesn't happen. So we had I had to I still get the fear, but I've learned to say, "Okay, Sherry, just calm down. That that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen." Okay, let's see. Let's continue. 
I do not feel responsible for what happened to me at all. I, I never, I never, I don't think I really ever had. I there was a time where I felt like, why didn't I have the guts to say stop? But um, you know, I kind of had to realize, you know, you're seven years old. You're not going to tell a grown ass adult who is your stepfather. You know, no, that's especially to Jack. You never said no to Jack, or else you uh, got a nice good whipping. But I think um, child and um, adult sexual abuse survivors, they can work through these emotions and uh, do therapy or whichever you choose how to do it. Therapy seems to be the, uh, the drug of choice, if, if you want to call it that. Now, behavioral reactions to sexual abuse are normal and they can be treated. And um, some of those behavioral problems are like aggression, running away, self-harm, like cutting or burning, criminal activity, substance abuse, suicidal behavior, hyperactivity, sleeping, eating problems, and toiletry problems. Toiletry. Toiletry. Yeah, toiletry problems. I don't know what that means. I'm guessing that means wetting the bed, which I did. I, I think I wet the bed till I was, gosh, maybe 10. I wet the bed. I've never had a substance abuse. I've never done drugs. I've, I've never smoked. Um, I've never drank. Um, I've never had suicidal behavior, even though there's been times, you know, when you're, when you're a negative person, you talk about, oh, the world would be better off if I wasn't here, you know, that type of thing. But it's mostly to get sympathy. It's not really because I want to kill myself. Hyperactivity, I'm definitely not hyper at all. Sleeping and eating problems, I definitely have. I... I I don't think I've had a good night's sleep uh, maybe two or three times in my life. I'm a very light sleeper, and um, a therapist told me once it's because I'm listening for danger. And it's true. You know, Jack would always come into my room in the middle of the night, so I always, I hear everything. You know, my sister coming home, you know, from work, I'll hear her come through the front door. You know, I, if my mom gets up and she's, you know, in another room, but I can hear her get up. Um, cause she pounds the wall with her bed when she gets up, but I can hear her get up. Um, the dog getting up, the dog sleeps in my room and, um, she gets up and moves from one side of the floor to the other. I, I hear that. So I'm a very super, super light, light sleeper. I sleep better in the afternoon, to be honest with you. If I take a nap, I can sleep for eight hours fine. Cause I'm, I, and I sleep where I dream actually. So it's definitely a night thing. I have a lot more stress and anxiety at night. Um, I've never ran away. Um, I do walk away a lot during arguments and stuff when I'm upset. I kind of just see you and I'm gone. Um, That's a lot just to clear my head and to um, realize I was an idiot. Um, Criminal activity. um, Yeah, I did. I used to steal when I was a kid. Shoplift a lot. Um, I kind of outgrew that only because I knew it was wrong. So stealing is something I kind of stopped doing in my uh, teens, I think. And like I said, self-harm, the only self-harm I really do is probably the eating problems. I I overeat, and that would, to me, I would think that would be self-harm. You know, it's also comforting. And it's also, I think, part of it was because we weren't allowed to have anything good when we were kids. Jack would not... We weren't allowed to have snacks. We weren't allowed soda. We weren't allowed to have anything when we were kids. So when Jack was gone, it was like, woohoo. And we would just, I just went crazy eating all the stuff that 
I wasn't allowed to eat fast food. We hardly ever ate fast food unless it was pizza. Sometimes it was chicken. But, yeah, it was, and my mom was working, so we ate a lot of fast food. She would buy a lot of uh, junk food for us to eat because she didn't have time to cook. And I just, and being upset and hurt and, and traumatized by everything, I just ate for comfort. And it's become a lifelong habit that's probably going to kill me in the end. So are you getting better? So you're going through all the therapy and you're wondering, am I getting over the abuse? Is it possible? Yeah, it is. Um, According to the New York City Task Force Against Sexual Assault, they have this checklist that um, that they use as you progress towards recovery. And um, I'm going to read it off to you right now. Um, at first, it, uh, the top of the one, which is important, I think, I acknowledge that something terrible happened to me. I think that's the most important thing that you have to realize that a lot of people surprisingly won't deal with it. They just pretend it didn't happen and move on. Even though it's screwing up their lives, they won't admit that it happened. But how can you fix something if you act like it never happened? So you have to admit that it happened. And sometimes it's hard to face it. Uh, I am beginning to deal with my feelings about the assault. I am angry about what was done to me, but recognize that my anger is not a consistent part of my feelings. It intrudes into other parts of my life in a negative way. Yeah, I think that's a big one with me too. So um, I do recognize my anger sometimes. And like with my depression, like I went through the last few weeks, I came out of it. What helps me get out of the depression is... I set little goals for myself. So it feels like I'm at least accomplishing something. And it just kind of motivates me to do more things. So if it, the little goal was, you know, like, you know, go give the dog a bath. Okay, there, there it is. And that's an accomplishment. And then from there, it's like, oh, well, I'll just go wash the dishes today. So I'll go in and I'll wash the dishes, you know, so my mom doesn't have to or whoever else does them usually. So I go and wash the dishes or I'll mop the floor or just little things at first and then it'll like move up to like I'm going to go mow the lawn or I'm going to go out and trim some bushes or because I do actually like working in the backyard or the front yard you know or I'm going to you know sometimes I get really motivated I'm going you know what I'm going to do I'm going to paint this room of course that's something that takes a lot of motivation to do okay I got off track here okay I can talk about assault experience with a counselor or a therapist. It's very important to do that. I'm beginning to understand my feelings about the assault. Check. I can give responsibility for the assault to the person who attacked me. The responsibility is not mine to accept. I've never felt, like I said, I've never, I've always blamed Jack for what happened. It was never my fault. I could not have prevented the assault, and I recognize that I did the best I could to get through it. Check for me. Um, I know I could not have prevented it. Sometimes I th- used to think I could stop it, but I, I now know that was crazy of me to think that way. I am developing a sense of my own self-value, and I am increasing my self-esteem. We are not going to check that one off. 
I am comfortable with the choices I make for myself. Um, I am developing a sense of being at ease with the subject of my assault. Yes, check. I recognize that I have a choice about whether or not to forgive my assailant. Check. I did forgive mine. I recognize that I have begun to get back control in my life and that the assailant does not have power over me. Check. He's dead. (laughs) I recognize that I have the right to regain control. Yeah, I don't really understand what that means. I, I, I don't feel I have control of my life right now because of situations that I'm in right now that I really feel um, I, I'm not in control of it, which is, adds to my anxiety. Um, taking care of my mom adds the fact that I can't really control that. I can't control my mom. You know, I basically she does what she wants and I just kind of make sure she doesn't hurt herself or anybody else because she argues all the time about everything. So those are some of the um, a checklist that you can see that you can take as you progress towards recovery to see if you're getting better. You will get better if you're a survivor of child sexual abuse. Stick with the therapy. Stick with your goals. It will get better. Parts of it will be hard, but it will get better. So you need to stick with it. Stay positive. Feel sad sometimes if you have to. Feel afraid sometimes if you have to. It's okay. That's normal. Just stick with it and keep going. And um, eventually, you're going to get the life that you deserve that was taken from you. Now, one way to heal that I've read is self-compassion. And um, we're going to talk about that next episode um, because from what I'm reading is that a lot of people are healed by surrounding themselves around compassionate people, people that, that love you unconditionally, people that are supportive, and, and they're, they're just there for you. And it helps you get rid of the self-critical talk. That, that you have in your destructive eating patterns. And it's just a lot of things that they're saying that, and if you can't find somebody, then you have to have self-compassion for yourself. And we're going to talk about that on the next episode of Sherapy with Sherry Todd. So thanks again for listening. Please subscribe or and leave a comment or a message. Uh, go to the website. You can go to the links that you will find. And leave messages. Love to hear from you. Love to put you on the air. Anything you want to talk about, let me know. I'm, I'm open to anything. Have yourself a great and safe Labor Day weekend. And always remember to embrace your voice. See you, bye. You can find Sherapy with Sherry Todd in your iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, or other favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.